0: Edward Sree and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. It's hard to believe we are approaching the end of Lent. Next week is Holy Week, and it all begins this Sunday, Palm Sunday, and I want you to enter into Holy Week well. I want you to finish your Lent strong, and so in this podcast, I'm going to prepare you for the beginning of holy week palm sunday what is this mysterious event all about jesus suddenly gets to the holy city of jerusalem and he asks for a donkey That's strange. That's just bizarre. Do you ever think about that? We've never seen Jesus ask for a donkey before. He's walking everywhere he goes, right? When he's traveling from village to village, from city to city, how does he travel? What's his primary mode of transportation? It's always walking, right? He's walking everywhere, except when he's on the Sea of Galilee. Then he's on a boat, but even then he walks sometimes, right? So Jesus is always walking. So for us to all of a sudden see him say, go get me a donkey, That's surprising. What does this mean? And then he enters the city, and the peoples are ecstatic. They hail him as a king. They take off their garments and lay them before the road in front of him. They wave palm branches, and they shout out, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What is this mysterious event all about? That's what we're going to look at here today. But to understand, to feel the weight of Palm Sunday, I need to take you back a few weeks earlier in the gospel story to a significant turning point in Jesus' ministry. It's a scene that took place in Caesarea Philippi. It's known as Peter's Confession of Faith. Uh, Let me take you back there, because if you understand Peter's Confession of Faith, then you're going to really appreciate what's happening at Palm Sunday so much more. Uh, So here's the scene. Jesus is with his apostles in the farthest north we've ever seen him in his public ministry in the district known as Caesarea. Philippi. And while he's there, he asks the apostles a very personal question. He says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Now, Peter's the first one to come right out and he represents everybody. He says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And I want you to feel the weight of that. You see, Jesus has been going around for three years announcing a kingdom and many people are hoping that he is the long-awaited prophesied one, the great Messiah king. they've heard about his miracles, they've heard about his amazing teaching. Certainly if you were one of those apostles there that day you're you're really hoping because you've been following him for three years so closely as one of his his disciples. you're really hoping he is the Messiah, but Peter's the first one to come right out and say it. He says it, you are the Christ, aren't you? And Jesus accepts that title, and he praises Peter and rewards him. He makes Peter the first pope. He gives him the keys of the kingdom. He says, you're the rock upon which I'm going to build my church. Just imagine if you were one of those apostles there that day, and you heard this dialogue between Jesus and Peter. Your heart is rising. You're excited. You're ecstatic. Yes, yes, indeed, Jesus is the king. We thought he was. But then Jesus does the most unexpected thing. He looks at all of you apostles and he says, shh, don't tell anyone. He basically says, let's keep this a secret between us. Let's keep this on the down low. Now, isn't that strange? Why does Jesus tell the apostles not to say anything? Isn't that what he wants them to do, to go out and preach the gospel and announce he is the Messiah? Why is Jesus telling them not to tell anyone? Is this maybe... Reverse psychology? (laughs) You know, maybe Jesus is really frustrated with the apostles. Man, they just keep making all these mistakes. They misunderstand. They can never get it right. So I'll tell them not to tell anyone, and maybe then they'll start telling people. (laughs) Is that what's going on there? I don't think so. I think if we understand what's happening in the first century Jewish context, historically, Jesus' concern is is, is totally understandable, that he would want them to keep this very, very quiet. Why? Why? Well, in the first century Jewish world, there were many very political understandings of the Messiah, that the Messiah was expected to be like this political revolutionary is going to go fight off the Romans and liberate the people from their enemies and and start this 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 political kingdom, a worldly kingdom. And, and, And Jesus knows if word gets out that he's claiming to be that kind of a king. That that's going to attract the wrong sort of attention. Rome is going to come in and squash this movement right away uh, because the Romans want to maintain order. They do not want any type of rebel movement to get any steam going, so they destroy those movements as quick as possible. Jesus knows that, and he knows he is going to die, but it's just not the right time. Why? Why? Three things. First, he has more work to do with his disciples. There's going to be a lot of training he has to give them uh, on the way down to Jerusalem. Secondly, and then Jerusalem's a key thing here, that's where the king was expected to establish the kingdom. Not way up in Caesarea Philippi, the Jewish king was expected to come to Jerusalem. So Jesus needs to go there, not Caesarea Philippi. So he's got to get to Jerusalem, and the king was expected to come establish his kingdom During Passover. And so it's not the right time yet. So for those three reasons, Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem. He's got to go there for Passover. And he's got some more training to do on the way to Jerusalem with his apostles. So that's why he's not ready for this to get out yet. He wants to keep this quiet. Keep this just between them. Uh, and from this moment on, he's going to start traveling down through Galilee, through Judea, down to Jerusalem. And one day, Jesus finally gets there, he gets to the holy city. And suddenly, as he enters the holy city, everyone's just shouting out in great enthusiasm. The crowds come pouring out, and they treat him like a king. They start taking off their garments, putting them before Jesus, like a royal carpet being laid before him. They're waving the palm branches. They're calling him the son of David. They're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're basically hailing Jesus as the Messiah King. My question for you is, what happened? How do they know? They weren't up in Caesarea Philippi when Jesus said that. How do they know he's the king? Was there a leak in the administration? You know, maybe WikiLeaks got a report. You know, Peter couldn't keep it to himself, so he had to go just tell someone. Or maybe they told their friends in Jerusalem. Is that what happened here? I would suggest to you, the reason the crowds come shouting out and hailing Jesus as a king is because of the donkey. It all has to do with the donkey and the symbolism of the donkey, right? Uh, as I mentioned to you, Jesus is always traveling on foot. So we as readers, if we see him suddenly saying, go get me a donkey, that's that's bizarre. That's strange. That should stand out for us. We should be wondering why is Jesus asking for a donkey? That's significant. What's the meaning of this? And we also know historically pilgrims normally entered the city on foot. And that's how Jesus travels. So why, why suddenly is there a donkey there, I want to talk to you about the symbolism of the donkey, four points I want to make. Are you ready? First, Mark 11, 2 tells us one little detail about the donkey, and that is the donkey Jesus gets is a donkey on which no one ever sat. No one ever sat on this donkey before. Why is that significant? Because in the Jewish tradition, that's the kind of donkey that was reserved for a king. Uh, in, in the Jewish literature known as the, the Mishnah, there's a saying that no one else ever rides the king's donkey or the king's horse. Only the king rides on that. So for Mark 11.2 to give us this little detail that this is a donkey upon which no one ever sat... That's not just a random little throwaway line, a little background detail. No, that's signaling to us he is the king. Secondly, even more important, uh, we turn to 1 Kings 1, 38 through 40. Uh, there's a great account of another great king that entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey. and That's the story of Solomon, the son of David. When Solomon was coming to claim his throne in Jerusalem, how did he enter the holy city? Riding on a donkey. What's Jesus doing? Jesus is reenacting that story. He's shouting out, I'm the new son of David. I'm the new Solomon. I'm the new king coming to be enthroned. And he's going to reenact just what, what what Solomon went through. He's going to come in riding on the donkey. Uh, and remember what Jesus himself said about Solomon. He said, I say to you, something greater than Solomon is here. He's the new Solomon coming in on the donkey to claim his throne. Uh, another passage, third passage we could think about is 2 Kings 9.13. Uh, we read there about people throwing their garments on the way before the king, King Jehu. That's what they did for King Jeho, Jehu, that's what they're doing for Jesus now, laying out like a royal carpet for Jesus. But the passage that has the greatest significance for our purposes, comes in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. In Zechariah 9, 9, centuries before Jesus, the prophet Zechariah foretold that one day, the son of David, the great king, the Lord, would come to Jerusalem, come to Mount Zion, riding on a donkey. He'd come not on a chariot, not on a war horse. No, he was going to come humble on a donkey. And here's my question for you. Do you think Jesus knew that prophecy? Every Jew knew that prophecy, right? They're longing for that prophecy to be fulfilled. Uh, But Jesus is the Holy Son of God. He knew that prophecy. He wrote that prophecy. Uh, Sometimes I think we we, we imagine Jesus just randomly doing actions that happen to fulfill prophecies from the Old Testament. Uh Uh-uh. That's that's not what's going on here. Jesus is aware of these prophecies, and many times he's deliberately, intentionally going out of his way to fulfill them. Uh, That's what he's doing here. He knows Zechariah 9.9. So when he enters, the Holy City. I'm just picture the scene: all the large crowds of uh, around Jerusalem, all gathered around, and they're, they're re- ready to welcome Jesus into the Holy City. And then Jesus suddenly says, "Go fetch me a donkey." Think about what that would mean. If you were one of those Jews in Jerusalem and you saw, you, you heard Jesus was coming to your city, you heard that he was announcing a kingdom, you heard about his miracles, you heard about his preaching, you're hoping that he may be the one, that he's going to be the Messiah. And then as you watch him enter in, you see him on a donkey, you're like, wow, he's fulfilling Zechariah 9.9. No wonder people ecstatically praise him and hail him as king. Um, Jesus here going into the holy city. We have to see this, my friends. He is not saying a single word, but in his silence, he is boldly shouting out, I am the king. That's the symbolism. By riding on a donkey without saying a word, just riding a donkey in the holy city, he is boldly proclaiming for the first time publicly, I am the Messiah. I am the fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. nine I am the king. And in a few days, he's going to pay the price. Because you can't go around claiming to be king and expect to survive long under Roman rule. This is what the Jewish authorities are going to use against him just a few days later. They're going to go to Pilate and say, this man stirs up the people. This man claims to be a king. He's going to be a rival to Caesar. This is what they're going to use against him. So this gives us a little backdrop to understanding Holy Week. For our own lives, I want you to think about There's one line uh, from Palm Sunday that should be very familiar to all of us as Catholics because we hear this line in the liturgy. Every day we may go to Mass, we're going to hear this line. Do you remember that line? In the Holy, Holy, Holy prayer, the Sanctus, we repeat the words from Palm Sunday, "'Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest.'" Why do we repeat these words from Palm Sunday? Because, in a sense, the mystery of Palm Sunday is made anew to us at every liturgy. Because just as the Jews welcomed Jesus within their city walls with those words, we're preparing to welcome Jesus into the walls of our soul in Holy Communion. You see, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered the Holy City riding humbly on a donkey. He came to the people humbly on a donkey. Our Lord Jesus comes to us today at every Mass so humbly, not on a donkey, but even more humbly. He's coming under the appearance of bread and wine. He's coming to us in the Eucharist. So isn't it fitting that we would use the same words that the people back then used to welcome Jesus into their lives? Uh, let's welcome Jesus with all of our hearts, not just this Palm Sunday liturgy, but every liturgy throughout the year, because every Mass is kind of like a little Palm Sunday as we welcome Jesus into the walls of our soul. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, my friends, I hope this has been helpful for you. If you enjoy this podcast and you think it might be helpful for someone else, please share it with others. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so for already. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me at edwards3.com. Send me your questions. I'm doing a Q&A episode later this spring and i want to say thank you to the many people who've reached out to me with various questions from my podcast or just anything about the catholic faith you can reach out to me edwardstreet.com or you can find me and contact me through facebook or twitter may god bless you